Joshua chapter 3 says in the word of the Lord, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people and said, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about a thousand yards by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. Release your truth. Release the anointing of the Holy Spirit here upon this church. May we rise and stir ourselves to action. We live in very evil days. You will and can help us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in amazing days, don't we? And you see some of the rulings uh, recent, in recent weeks that challenge the very foundations of who we are as Americans. As American culture continues to decompose, this could very well be the church's finest hour. And it should be. Because the Scripture says that what you see around us, including government, is passing away. In other words, it's the same phrase we use when we talk about a loved one who has gone on into eternity. They've passed away. God is saying, looking at our earthly ways and governments and and culture, it's also decomposing. It's passing away. Well, God told Joshua, you're going into uncharted territory. And church, we live in a challenging day. This should be our finest hour. We should be looking at the opportunities that God has given us. He said, you're going where you've never gone before in God. And just because you've been at the same place for a long time doesn't mean God hasn't, doesn't have more for you. Something in your heart needs to yearn for that place you've never been before. And I'm looking at this moment in history saying God has a place for us to make a difference in our, in our environment and culture. Now, curiosity is characteristic it turns a, man, a mere man into an icon. Curiosity. It's an essential ingredient every explorer has. Curiosity. People who discover new things, who invent new things, they're fascinated with the discovery of the unknown. Something in them says, there's more. There's more. Something in them says, I long for something I don't have. And that's how people have changed the world. I'm grateful that we still don't have those old black dial-up telephones where you have to and wait for it to go back. You know what I'm saying? Now you have a smartphone. Your smartphone contains multiple versions of the Bible. I mean, you can get information like that with one touch. The number is dialed. I mean, think about the improvements. I was looking at that the other day in comparison to some who want the old days. You can have those old days. I'll take the days we're in. There's more now. 
And there's something that should be in each of us. Because listen, this is how people change the world. That's why you have the improvements and the things that are available at your fingertips you have now. They changed the world because they had a curiosity stirred up inside of them. Christopher Columbus was one of those characters. His discovery of the new world happened because he possessed a tremendous curiosity. When everybody else said the world was flat, he believed the world was round. His idea was met with cynicism. His idea was met with ill regard. People laughed at him. Many, most, made fun of him because he believed there was yet much more to be discovered. So when Queen Isabella of Spain granted him the funding to finance his dream, Columbus gets his crew together, they procured the three ships, and they set sail. And Columbus sailed westward, believing there had to be more than what he had already experienced. And a paradigm shift happened in human history, as it did in his own life. So he and his crew and these three ships set sail. They were willing to risk everything to discover a place they had never been before. Boy, put yourself in their boots. And what was amazing, when Columbus discovered that the world, you know, was not flat, that he would not fall off a flat earth, that he could sail on around the earth, once he broke through the mental barriers that people had, suddenly it became normal, regular to go back and forth from Spain to the New World. And the America we now know and love is a result of that kind of a spirit, that spirit that says there's more, and I want more, and this is not all there is. Our country was named after another legendary explorer. And when the discoverers came to the New World, they discovered spices and silver and gold and the beauty of American shores. So Columbus was not satisfied with discovering a whole new world. Something in him yearned even for more than the Americas. And he would not sit back very long. Soon he was readying himself for yet another journey. Columbus went looking for places he had never been before. But in Spain the mystery of the discovery spirit began to dissipate. And the sovereigns and the monarchs of Spain grew more interested in going back and forth to the places that had been discovered, back and forth to the Americas, obtaining wealth, obtaining resources, colonization, grabbing land, procuring gold. What had been thought non-existent now had become familiar a regular journey back and forth throughout the course of years to the same places. What happened was they grew more interested in colonization than they did in exploration. And they became more interested in settling than discovering. They just wanted to be regular. They were ready to settle for the known. This is what we know. They wanted that to be their new norm, the new average. But something in us generated by the Holy Spirit needs to yearn for more. Something in us needs to hunger for more. Something in us needs to be stirred up that says, God, there has to be more than just going and coming. Just going and coming to a place called church. Occasionally, there needs to be a reboot. Moments in our walk with God where we get desperate for a place we have never been before an experience we have never encountered before. I'm here to tell you it does exist. Amen. 
It does. As sure as the new world existed for Christopher Columbus, there is a spiritual new world that exists for you and me. If we won't settle for But we come to the place where we hunger and we yearn for more. And I believe when people individually or collectively get settled in their walk with God, and then they settle in the valley of the common, and they settle in the plain of the plains. Church does not have to be plain. Church does not have to be common. Are we living in common times? Very unusual days. You heard a couple of weeks ago the Supreme Court, what they did in their decision-making process. I was kind of interested in that because I compared the Supreme Court of the day with George Washington's appointments to the Supreme Court. John Jay, the first chief justice of the Supreme Court, he would not have been appointed today. And here's why. Here's what he believed the first chief justice. By conveying the Bible to people, we certainly do them a most interesting act of kindness. We thereby enable them to learn that man was originally created and placed in a state of happiness, but becoming disobedient was subjected to the degradation and evils which he and his posterity have since experienced. The Bible will also inform them that our gracious creator has provided for us a redeemer in whom all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He said, the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and regulate your life by its precepts. John Jay, providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is their duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Wow. Wow, I wish this guy was still on the Supreme Court. Okay, those were people who had values and principles instead of taking this book and throwing it out and saying, now we're going to govern by human principles instead of by biblical principles. Are we living in common times? This is not the America I grew up in. You, You heard the Supreme Court talk about that. You are witnesses to the corruption in the highest levels of our government. You're watching it over the last 12 months, the worst possible kinds of corruption. You've observed the wasteful spending of your tax dollars on party frivolity, stupidity using our tax dollars. You see the infringement of your rights right out of here in Sacramento. If the, government, if the governor signs that bill in public schools in California, co-ed bathrooms. Oh, Yeah. Watch that. Are you, are you alert to what's going on in our government? Do we need more common church services in our world today? A little pep talk? A feel-good service where you just leave and go back out to your common routines? You know, get your head in the sand. Just come and go. Don't disturb anybody. Don't speak up about the issues. No changes. Just coming and going. Or do we occasionally say, God... Why don't you just tear me up in this service? Why don't you do more than just get me excited, but drive me to my knees in brokenness and tears until there's a breakthrough in my life and in our community. I get deeply into your presence where I desperately need to be because it's there that we all long for 
And it's waiting for us. God's waiting for us with open arms to run toward him. So Lot in the Old Testament set out looking for more territory for his herds. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. And as you go toward Zoar, Zoar, the the name Zoar means little. I'm concerned that God's people settle for little praying, little worship, little Bible reading, little change, little sermons, settle for little dedication, little devotion. I'm tired of little. I'm tired of little prayers and little services. I'm tired of watching a generation excuse themselves from Sunday night service in the presence of the Holy Spirit because we have to get ready for Monday. Really? You know, there's a simple solution to that. Why don't you schedule the weekend like my parents did, like we did as parents, with God's presence your number one priority? Why don't you schedule your weekend that way? So at the end of the school day on Friday... And through Friday night and Saturday, whatever you got to get done that needs to get done so you're ready for Monday is done. Then when you get up on Sunday morning, this is the Lord's day. We're going to the house of the Lord. Listen to me, because if you don't, listen to me what's going to happen. When will your family ever experience the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit? When will they encounter a God of miracles and know he's real? When will they be an encounter that will alter the course of their life forever? When will that happen? So I'm tired of little. I'm ready for God to once again send a move of his spirit, a great awakening, starting with your pastor, a great awakening. I'm in a place I've never been this way before. And I'm hearing what Joshua heard. And what struck me in this passage, the statement, you have not passed this way before. See, if I have never been to this place before, I need to go in God to a place I have never been before is what he's saying. Because I need him like I've never needed him before. How about you? Are you facing things you've never faced? Boy, we are in this culture. And something tells me there is more in God. Because when we have greater need, he has greater grace. Is there a yearning in your heart for more? You know, people just want to camp here. It's, it's kind of our nature, don't we? You just want to camp. You just want to get settled in your walk with God. You want to be born again, get the ticket punched. So let me preach here for a minute, okay? People just want to do the journey back and forth like they did in the early days of discovery of America, go back and forth, back and forth. But then people don't go any deeper in God. They don't look for any more. They don't mine down deeper. They don't grow mightier in the spirit. There's no depth to worship, not heavier into their intercession. There's a place in God that's beyond the norm. And I'm telling you, it's there. I've tasted it. The average service rarely gets to a place in America where anybody feels uncomfortable because we like everything comfortable and predictable. Columbus, in his latter years of life, history records, he used to squint his eyes so intensely, looking for the next horizon. He would walk out to the bow of his ship, and he learned what very few other sailors knew. 
he could navigate by the position of the sun in the sky. And Columbus would squint his eyes, even looking at the sun, toward a new horizon. And he thought, I know there's another horizon out there. And he grew blind looking and squinting into the sun for that new horizon. His eyes were affected by navigating using the sun, peering to the unknown, longing for the new adventure. Where is it? Where is it? I know, I know there's more out here. What if we came to church like that every service? What if we had it in our spirits today and again tonight at the table of the Lord that we begin squinting toward the sun? Explorers, people staring into the sun for that new horizon, for that revelatory word from the Lord. Columbus lost his sight because he squinted so intensely looking for a new horizon, staring into the sun day after day after day, looking for that new opportunity, looking for something more. Before discovering Santo Domingo, Columbus was blind, but his instincts were so sharp because of his previous high seas voyages. He was able to follow the curve line, what he could barely see, and sense where the sun was in the sky, eyes squinting, still able to discern the sun's position, and yet he still was on a journey of discovery and did discover Santo Domingo. The Holy Spirit has impressed upon me. Do I have eyes that are squinting, looking for the headwinds of the Holy Spirit, carrying me where others have said it doesn't exist, in the Spirit taking me there? In general, the church today in America says, be satisfied to go to church, come back, go home, Go to church. Go back. Don't get too spiritual because people will think you're a little bit weird. Okay? But maybe there is a place that we don't know exists. Squinting. Looking. Calvary, we are called to be better than average. We are called to be better than normal. We are called to be more than regular church. People have settled into this regular Settling for average. Hear me. God wants us to see beyond the place where we are now spiritually. Are your eyes growing tired for looking for something new? Or do you just expect nothing new spiritually to happen in your life any longer? You have arrived. There's nothing else. You're all there. You, you, you know, you're, you're complete the way you are. I have come to awaken the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. We are here because we have a mission to perform. I'm here to announce to you, yes, there is another place. Yes, there is more. There is a place you can unload your burdens. There is a place where you can have the fullness of joy. There is a place where you can pray and your spirit is released and you can leave this place announcing to your adversary, I am free. Squint your spiritual eyes. Focus on the things of the Lord. For it's joy and peace in the Holy Ghost, Paul said. That's what spirituality should ring in in our spirits. Are we as a body of believers peering for more or are we satisfied? Has God brought us to this place to just exist and be satisfied? Or should we be out on the bow of this ship peering with eyes that have been enlightened and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit's vision 
so that we can see exactly where God's trying to take us, seeing the harvest all around us, saving souls that are all around us, making a climate change right here in our own community, culturally, saying, God, thank you for all you have done, but there is more we can do as your people. And we want to embrace that. Your natural eyes will never get you where a vision from the Holy Spirit will get you. That vision includes the growing of our church, the maturing, developing numerically, spiritually, the growing of our church, filling our services in the morning with hungry people, hungry to worship, hungry for the Word, hungry for what God's about to do, an evening service punctuated by the presence of the Holy Spirit, watching God move on the hearts of people to give until we can build and break ground. When are we going to do that, Pastor? Well, we can grow the kingdom in our own community by doing the will of the Lord, by, by doing all we can to reach as many as we can in our community and bring them to Christ. And then as someone asked me the other day, well, when are we going to... When are we going to buy the equipment and get out and, and, and so people can, no matter where they are, can watch our services live? I said, when you write the check, write the check. Don't stand there and tell me we need to get this done like God's going to drop it from the heavens. This is going to happen when we decide we're passionate enough, we're believing enough that we're going to take God on this journey along. He's taking us on this journey and we're going to go to the place that he's taking us. And Calvary Christian Center, you'll see opportunities when he enlightens your vision and you recognize this is what God wants us to do. And when, he, when that clicks in our hearts, we'll do it. We'll have faith to do it. We'll be the Christopher Columbuses of our day. We'll get out there on the bow and say, there's more than this. It's going to take a miracle. Yes. Yes. God's the only provider of miracles. It's bigger than we are. But he expects us to do something to execute that miracle, start that miracle. So you have to lose yourself to find yourself. Eminem wrote a song that won a Grammy called Lose Yourself. And, and, and from the movie Eight Miles where he played himself, he said this, you better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. And I want to take the spiritual application of that for just a few seconds. Lose yourself and realize we have this moment and we own it. It's our moment. We can have as much of God as we want. We can be as powerful in God as we want. And we need to lose ourselves so that we can find ourselves. So we can own this moment and do those things God's designated for us to do. Calvary, the church should be having its greatest hour today in this culture. Not be beaten down, told to keep our mouths closed and don't speak up that, that what we believe is irrelevant. No, we ought to lift this book higher and speak more loudly that this is the foundation by which any great society is blessed by following the principles of God's word. We've got a word for our community and a word for our world today. So I need someone here to stir up the fire in your soul, to peer out and look at the horizon around you. Turn to somebody and say, lose yourself. 
You get out there where you lose yourself. Lose your attitude and get his attitude. Lose your habits and obtain his holy habits. Lose your way and embrace God's way. Lose your direction and find God's direction. Lose yourself. Jesus summed it up like this. Jesus said to his disciples, okay? These were followers. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So we love like him, and we live like him, and we lead like him in the culture because we're followers of him, and we've lost ourselves. Joshua, the son of Nun, he heard God speak into his spirit and say, this is the day, son. Today is the day. I know you've traveled in the wilderness for 40 years. I know that this promised land existed 40 years ago, and everyone else has died off but Caleb and you. You're still standing because you believed me. But, he said, it's time. Now's the day. There's more. And how many of you believe there is more? There is. That we serve the God who is unlimited. He's a God of vastness. We have not discovered yet the mighty and the great and the powerful things he wants to reveal to his people. And God said this to Joshua, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now watch. God sent out the ark ahead of the people. And that's why you need to be praying for your leadership. Because God said, send the priests out first with the ark of the covenant. You can hear it right there. And says, so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before or ahead of the people. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. So we have a message, don't we? He's the Lord, Lord of what? All the earth. Okay? Shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So pray for your spiritual leaders because you're not going anywhere they don't go. Okay? Right here. That's how it worked. So you don't want a pastor that's just kind of laid back in the ministry. Well, whatever the Lord wants to do today, we'll do it. Or whatever his plans are, I'll let him figure that out. And we're just along. For it. Listen, that's not what you want in leadership. You don't want a pastor that's laid back. You don't need a church that just lets you grow religiously fat and sassy, spiritually speaking. You need a church where Joshua says to the people, sanctify yourselves. Get your act in order. For tomorrow about this time, we're going where we have never gone before. So tell your neighbor, your tomorrow is better than your today. There is a place you've never gone before. Say it. It's waiting for you. So the word says that Joshua stepped out. There he goes. Now that's blind exploring. Stepping off the banks of a river at flood stage. There's not a little river just trickling downstream. 
This is a river that's blown right out of its banks, its floodwaters, because there's been raining and snowing up in the mountains north, in northern Israel, up toward Lebanon, and the waters are melting and the rain is coming down, and, and, and the tributaries are filling that river, and it's blowing right out of its banks as it heads south. It's kind of like if you went out on the river here in the Sacramento area and they warn you, you better wear a life jacket. It looks placid on the surface, but it's got a ferocious current underneath. And that's exactly what was going on in the Jordan River. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. So not only did they have a, you know, possibly we'd just have to go to the river bank and kind of put our foot down in the water. No, the water was out over the tops of the banks the water was flowing out onto the plains. But Joshua stepped out. And when the priests put their feet into the flooded waters, the water began to part. Okay? Now, as I researched this passage, one commentator put it like this. He said, The waters did not part all the way across the river until the priests, the feet of the priests, kept walking. Because I envisioned, you know, kind of like the waters all parting at once. Like Cecil B. DeMille, you know, the waters just and went to the sides. But the insight was that the priests had to take each step in the waters by faith. They'd have to put their foot down, and then the water would part. And then they'd put the other foot down, and more water would part. And as they walked, the waters would stand up on both sides. It was a continuous walk of faith, believing God to get them across this flooded Jordan River and the flood plains on both sides. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap. Wow. So what I'm attempting to communicate to you today, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of the Lord, being rested and refreshed. As long as you continue to have in your heart a spirit of exploration, a a blind exploring spirit that says, wherever you lead me, I'm going to step out and move in that direction in faith, trusting you. When I hear your voice, I've got nothing to do but get up and move at your direction. I may not know how, I may not know when, but I will move by faith even though I've never been this way before. That's what I love about following God. It never gets boring on your journey with Jesus. I mean, he's always, let's go. We've got places to go. So I'm here today to say to you, if you begin to long for the immensity of our vast God, not the little one we keep in a box, but if you will be willing to leave the comforts of the settlement for a new discovery of where God's trying to take us. You will go where you've never gone spiritually before. And we'll see a great awakening beginning in us that'll affect our community, that'll shake you and me and shake our community to its soul. And don't we need that today? My Lord, we need that. One man said, if you want to build a ship, don't gather people together to collect wood. But teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Then they will build a ship. And if you'll get a picture of this great God we serve, the vastness, we have not plumbed the depths, nor scaled the heights, 
or been able to find our way to the width of how great this God is we serve, listen to me. If we'll begin to understand, I want all he has and more of what he has, it's time to long for more. We will never receive more from God until you hunger and reach and are dissatisfied where you are. Am I preaching to anybody here today who is ready for God's best, ready for what God has? I want to go where I've never gone before. Is that the cry of your heart? For you have not passed this way before. Interesting. Last time, 40 years before, Joshua had been there. But not like this. Not through floodwaters. Not through this obstacle course. And he got to taste those grapes and drink the milk and got a taste of the honey and said, after 40 years, I want, I want it. I want more. I want that again. And it needs to begin with leadership. The priest had to get out there first. Joshua had to get out there. If the leadership is satisfied, then the congregation will be satisfied. But if there's something in the leaders of Calvary Christian Center that hunger and thirst in faith and believe the Lord. See, the truth, we can have all the programs and all the stuff that we humanly can create, and much of it is very good. But if the Holy Spirit does not possess his church, everything else we do is sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. We've got to have his power generated in us. So I say, Holy Spirit, possess your church. Is anybody hungry? Is anyone ready to go where we've never gone before? Is anybody squinting? Is anybody out on the bow of the ship? Is anyone believing there's still more? We haven't discovered it all. And so, as a child, I was blessed. A very young child to taste the grapes and drink the milk and taste the honey. And I know there's more. And I know that I want to possess it. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I have more than a taste of it. I own it. I possess it. Amen? So God wants Calvary Christian Center to leave a spiritual legacy for generations that come after us. Because this is not about us. It's way bigger than us. The project itself that God has for us in touching our community and sending more and more teams throughout the world. It's way bigger than any of us. It's bigger than all of us collectively because it's got to be God and his miracle power that gets the glory for it. But it's beyond even the moment. There's a legacy that needs to be passed to those who follow behind us. And what kind of a legacy are we going to leave them? Because the dream must be larger than the moment and larger than we are. It's about those who will come after us. And this is the legacy that I've chosen to leave. And it will take a miracle. But God's into miracles because he gets the glory. And he gets the honor. And no one can say, look what we did. It's look what he did. (laughs) Look what the Lord has done. Amen? And so here's the legacy I choose to leave. It's what Joshua left after they saw that great victory. Then you shall let your children know 
was his command to the people. You shall let your children know. Don't let the next generation not know what God's done for you. Saying Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. Not just the neighborhood. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. That it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Wow. So, a legacy for our children to know that Christ who can regenerate a life, who can turn you 180 from a life that's been addicted, troubled, burdened, overwhelmed, sin has filled the heart to a life that's free, a new beginning, a new page, a new opportunity, a second birth, as it were. I want to leave a legacy to children of a church empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is as real and normal and functional among us as any of us who sit and fill a seat, that he's welcomed in this house, that he fills their heart to overflowing with power and glory of the Lord and revelation of who Jesus is because his mission is to reveal the Son and gives them a language they've never spoken before with which they can communicate directly to the Father. I want them to know a God who delivers them from their troubles, who is a God who moves mountains that they face in their lives, a God of the miracle, a God that Joshua knew and that I've known, and a God that the next generation must know, that God that parts the River Jordan, and the Red Sea, and the God who is the God of all the earth is our God, whom we fear and is awesome among us. So stand to your feet and call on the name of the Lord and say, God, I hunger for more of you. Cry out to him.